Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and my listeners get the secret story behind every book. Joining me today is an intriguing, fascinating, and interesting gentleman. His name is Richard Weiner, and he's here to talk about his book, Survivor's Odyssey, From Oppression to Reconciliation. Now, this book tells Richard's story, and it's the story of a child Holocaust survivor. He was the only Jew in a school of Hitler youth. He saw his grandparents killed, the arrest of his father, and the destruction of his home. After escaping with his parents to England, he later came to America, he joined the army, and became an international patent lawyer. He studied at Columbia University, Princeton University, New York University, and George Washington University. He's on the board of directors of the Washington, D.C. Bar Association. Richard speaks five languages. He's traveled widely, and he considers himself a citizen of the world. He ultimately made the decision to return to his German hometown after the fall of the Berlin Wall to reconcile with his Hitler Youth classmates. He became the town's only living honorary citizen. In addition to being an author and a poet, he's active in the Mankind Project, a man's organization conducting transformational trainings on four continents. Richard serves as a community leader, a group facilitator, as well as a mentor. He also conducts a workshop called The Power of Forgiveness, and he speaks widely on the subject of reconciliation. Additionally, he's written two poetry collections, Sense of Time and Sense of Age. Wow, Richard, that is such an introduction. It is such an honor and a pleasure to have you as my guest today on Books on Air. Welcome. Well, thank you, Suzanne, for that uh, glowing introduction. <laughs> I would say uh, I, um, it's hard to take in, but I'll try. I do uh, my homework. By the way, some of the things you, some of the complimentary things you said about me uh, really belong to my past because I'm now, as of August seventh, ninety-five years old. So I'm not doing all those things anymore. Only some of them. Well, but, I hope you're not doing all of that. That would be an awful lot. <laughs> yeah. An awful lot. Now I have a question. Yeah. A book like yours, first of all, is a very, very personal book. You have been through some unimaginable events in your life. What was the moment? When was the moment? What was the impetus? What decided you to actually put all of this down and share it with the world? Because this almost reads like a movie. You have done and had amazing things done to you. Well, what happened was as I got older and, you know, after midlife, uh, we change our perspective and our priorities. I have two children, two grown children and two grandchildren. And I wanted them to know all about what their, what their father and grandfather's life was like. I think that's that's an impetus that a lot of parents have. Uh, they go to uh, to legacy uh, to to 
what is it, the, some of the, the websites where you can find out what your grandparents did and so forth. Well, I put it onto my book so that I could see exactly what my life was like as a child in Nazi Germany. Um, I also wanted to get into, into writing so that I myself could browse in the book and remind myself what I had been through and uh, how I survived it. The survival part is really the important part of the book. Uh, it's, it's a journey from a very fraught childhood, where, as, as you've just said, uh, I was the only Jew in a school of Hitler youth, and what that was like in a small town, small medieval town called Wittenberg, which is actually world famous because it's the cradle of the... And Martin Luther lived there and taught there and uh, started the Protestant Reformation, you know. So it's, it's a world-famous city. It's a UN heritage site, and I happened to have been born there, which I didn't really... I didn't realize how, how significant that was until I got much older. Um, it's also my journey to um, a recognition that it's the difficult things in our lives that are the most valuable. I sometimes think, like even um, thank Adolf Hitler for having, I've seen him in person. He was about, you know, 10 feet away from me when he came through Wittenberg. I saw him and um, eyes met, at least I, my eyes met his. I don't know whether his met mine, but uh, I got a little sense of the magnetism that he radiated. Uh, and uh, the takeaway from my experiences in Germany were that I have a great appreciation of my life. I, I'm grateful for every day. I've lived a really remarkable life. So in a sense, I've been very lucky. And some of that came from the adversity. In fact, my favorite aphorism is, sweet are the uses of adversity. Don't try to have an easy life because it's the difficult parts of your life. If you overcome them, that will help you grow. And so I've been very enriched by the, the challenges, by the defeats, and by the uh, unexpected pleasures and, and, and things that, that went well. Uh, all the bullets I dodged, all that was a teaching for me that has made me who I am today. I wouldn't change a thing about my past. So that's my, yeah. Good answer. Yeah. I'm curious. You had to sit down and begin to, when, when someone writes a book like this, it seems to me that when you sit down and you begin to write the book, now, I do have to compliment you, and I know you're a very modest man, and I know that you're going to want to do the aw shucks thing. Please let me say this. Your prose, your prose, Richard, is wonderful. It's it's velvet. When I when I began to read the book, um, I was right there. Your opening phrases about your childhood, you you paint these pictures in words, and you have a real skill and ability with language, and you have a real skill and ability with description. And so what you do is 
your hand almost comes out of the book, grabs hold of the shirt that the reader is wearing, and you actually pull us as readers right into the book. It's that powerful. You paint word pictures that are so powerful, I'm right there. When you began to write the book, your mind had to go right back to exactly where you were when you began to write. What was the experience like writing the book? Was it cathartic? Was it upsetting? Was it, how did you feel? It was not upsetting, no. It was uh, It was satisfying to get it down on paper and to have a, a record of, well, I mean, it's sort of a record of my life, my life experience, my journey. I think of my life as a journey. Of course, all our lives are journeys, but my life was a particularly fraught journey uh, because of all the, the, the things I went through, uh, the narrow escape from Germany, uh, the way I was treated in the schoolyard where all the kids called me dirty too and you shouldn't even be here, that kind of thing. And I had to suck it up. In fact, my father, I'll just mention this, uh, I went to what you would call a Latin school, gymnasium in German, it's called Latin school here uh, for people who want to eventually go to college. And I, there was a quota. The Nazi had a quota for Jews, 1%. I was it. There were only two Jewish boys in Wittenberg. I was one of my my cousin and I were the only two Jewish boys. And I'm the only one that went to gymnasium. And a lot of the kids were already in what's the sort of the junior league of the Hitler youth called Jungvolk. And they, uh, some of them were real bully boys. And they would say, you should, who let you in? You shouldn't even be a dirty Jew. I got that every day in the school schoolyard. So it was painful, but... I did. My father and I both wanted me to go to college eventually. So we, and so he went to see the principal of the school beforehand to ask him whether he could guarantee my safety. And the, and the principal said, no problem. Well, my physical safety, I did have that, but my emotional safety was not there. It was very, very difficult for me every day to go to school and be subjected to all the catcalls and all the put downs and the insults just because of my being a Jew. And there, I, I mentioned an incident uh, that occurs in the book where I'm in the backyard of our apartment house playing with, this is be, when I was about five or six. And just when, after the Nazis came to power and we're playing in the backyard uh, with, with my little playmates and a woman opens the window upstairs and she says, Elfriede, I told you not to play with the Jew. You come right up here now. And I described it as the first time that I recognized it was not okay to be a Jew. It had never occurred to me before. And from that moment on, I bore that, well, I see it in African-Americans. You know, they, they're used to having to look over the shoulder. Was that a joke or was that a friendly remark? Or they have to be aware that there are all kinds of people that may hate them, despise them, or, or enjoy them. And I had that same feeling, not every German was anti-Semitic. You know, there were people that, you know, that I could be comfortable with. But as the Nazi regime took hold, just like here with Trump, he turned a lot of people, they turned a lot of people 
And it became the thing to do to be anti-Semitic and to gradually uh, tighten the noose on the Jews. And eventually, of course, you had Auschwitz and uh, the Holocaust. I did not live there long enough. I wasn't old enough. My father was in, in the concentration camp. I was not. I was too young. And uh, that's a long story, which you see in the book, how, how I actually got out of Germany without my parents, not knowing whether I'd ever see them again. And I was lucky because they managed to escape at the last minute of just a couple of months before the Second World War started. And I did get to see them again only because we had an aunt and uncle in London that took us in. Otherwise, we would not have gotten out of Germany, and I wouldn't be here talking to you. So. What, what years does the book cover, Richard? From when to when? Uh, well, it starts, well, I start simply uh, being when I was born, but basically the story starts when I'm, uh, 1933, I would say, uh, when the Nazis seized power. That was my first school day. Wow. That was my first school day. And my grandfather had a small shoe factory in Wittenberg. And on that day, my first school day, there was a, there's a, there's a, a guard standing outside of his uh, factory asking passersby not to buy from Jews. That was the, the very beginning. And then the racial laws came out. So, for example, I took piano lessons. I got a beautiful accordion from my aunt and uncle, and I took piano lessons. And after a few months... I arrived and the teacher said, I'm so sorry, but there's a new racial law. Jews can no longer take music lessons. Oh. So these were little slaps on the wrist at, at the time, but they became more and more serious, more and more exclusionary. Gradually, we were excluded from German society until at the very end of my life there, the last three months, uh, our apartment had been confiscated. I'd been kicked out of school. And we moved in with another mother and son who's, where the father was also in concentration camp. We could not go out on the street because it became become legal to kill Jews. Anybody could have taken a pot shot. So we, we simply went under virtual house arrest. I'm so and, shocked. I'm so shocked. Yeah, it was shocking. And, and, and then came Miracle of Miracles, the kinder transport, which was something the Brits as an exception, I mean, all the, the, the European countries didn't really want to take in Jews. America didn't want to because it was the tail end of the recession, lots of unemployment, and who was going to take in 400,000 Jewish refugees? You know, right. FDR decided that was not politic, and so it, it took us four years to get into this country while the Holocaust was raging in Europe. And so... Uh, we escaped. I mean, I dodged a lot of bullets. When I, when we left Europe, uh, it was during the U-boat campaign when passenger ships were being sunk by the Germans uh, all over through the Atlantic. I was on the last ship, passenger ship, to leave for America uh, before the war started. The, pass the sister ship had already been sunk. We were under blackout all all night. The ship was blacked out. We wore life preservers with us all day. And uh, when we, i got to mention this, when we arrived in New York Harbor, everybody was on deck. 
And when the Statue of Liberty came in view, and I always tear up when I, when I talk about this, everybody was on deck when they saw the Statue of Liberty, a lot of people went into their knees and cried and we had reached freedom. We had escaped with our lives and here we had reached the safe harbor of America. And I'll never forget that moment because it was such a relief, you know, to have to be in a safe place. And, uh, and I, I always ask my audiences when I give a talk, be aware how lucky you are to be living here. You know, with all the problems that we have here, especially today, these days, but it's, 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 it's a place of safety, security. So that was, that was, that, that was a voyage to America. One of many, many, uh, dramatic moments in my, in my life. Yes. Is there a part of the book that you would like to share with the listeners? I'd love for them to hear your beautiful prose. Well, I will. I will just. I'll mention a phrase. Okay, I will. I'll, I'll set. Give you the setting. Um, I went back to my hometown. I've been back to my hometown, which I love very much. Since the Berlin Wall came down, I've been back about fourteen or fifteen times. I used to go back every year. At the moment, you know, with the pandemic, I haven't done that. But in nineteen, when, when was that? Hold on, I got the date. Mm, yes. 1997, there was a class reunion. And remember, these were all, had all been Hitler youth. And they were now, uh, they'd all become, they'd studied and become doctors, lawyers, professional men mostly. And they were there. We were all about 70 years old by then, because I was born in 1927. And there was a class dinner. And, uh, the MC, self-appointed MC, one of the one of my classmates, uh, asked us to kind of share something about our lives. So when my turn came, I told them what it was like to be have been in the schoolyard, uh, and how I was treated in the schoolyard, and how difficult that was for me. And the room became very silent, and I saw tears in a few men's eyes. They were embarrassed, obviously, because. You know, they were now post-Nazi era, which had been a long time ago. And I'll read a little bit of what happened there. Wait a second. At the end of the evening, oh, wait a minute. At the end of the evening, as we were putting on our coats, one of the men, a short fellow named Horst, came up to me. He seemed intensely embarrassed. And then, with great agitation, he blurted out, Richard, I need to tell you something. I was one of the ringleaders, and I want to ask for your forgiveness. I had waited all my life for these words, and when I came, I broke down in tears, and so did Horst. We embraced, and all that had passed between us so many years before melted away in an instant. The moment was so healing for me that it remains one of the turning points of my life. After I returned to America, I decided that I wanted to share with others the gift I had received to demonstrate that we can revisit even the most painful events of our past, that we need never give up hope for healing. 
And so I began telling my story in schools and churches and other venues and presenting a workshop I call I called the power of forgiveness around the country. That's a passage that I wanted to read. Wow. Richard, that's so powerful. Everything you've said, I was tearing up when you were describing coming into New York Harbor and seeing the Statue of Liberty. I was tearing up myself as I listened to you talk about that. This passage, I think, is so powerful. You and I, you've been talking about the book. You've been telling stories about the book. And I know that our listeners want to know now where they can find the book. So let me talk about how to get it on Amazon, give the specific title, and do some spelling for them. If you go to Amazon, if you've never been to Amazon to buy a book and you go to their website, there's a sort of a long, rectangular, gray, beige box that's empty. In that box, type Survivor's Odyssey, colon, From Oppression to Reconciliation by Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D, Wiener. Now it's W-I-E-N-E-R. W-I-E-N-E-R. <laughs> because we talked about that earlier, so I want to make sure they have that correct spelling. And if you click on it, the book will come up. Now on the cover of the book, Richard, is a picture of children. Who are those two children? Well, the three cousins. Um, the middle cousin uh, is a, was a little older, Martin, uh, who was named after his heroic uh, his heroic father, who actually fought on the German side in World War One and received the Iron Cross First Class for bravery. And uh, Martin was sent. I mean, Martin was a his father had died, and his mother sent him out of the country for his own safety without. You know, she she was killed in, in, in the death camps, but she wanted him to live, so she sent him to what was then Palestine. Uh, so I, I did not know him very well because he left. I'm the guy, uh, the smallest kid, the one on the left uh, in the picture, and the one on the right is my cousin Manfred. We were, well, neither of us had siblings, so our parents kind of forced us to to be together more than we really were comfortable with. And on the left of this central, well, on the left is a background uh, a medieval house, one of Wittenberg houses, and there's a man standing in front of it, and that is me after my return uh, to Wittenberg when I was, uh, I think it was 63 when I first came back, went back there after the Berlin Wall fell. Well, the, so cover, the cover right away gets your attention. And if they will click, there's a wonderful excerpt. If they'll look up in the upper right-hand corner of the representation of the cover of the book, there are two words there. It says, look inside. If you put your cursor on look inside and click on it, the book will electronically open. And there's a wonderful excerpt that you can read. And you will really, the very first part of it, you're right there with you as a small child. I mean, this... This whole thing sounds at the very beginning like this was such a lovely, beautiful, wonderful place to grow up until all of the Nazi 
stuff started to happen and changed your life completely because your initial descriptions of of the house and playing and it's just it's beautiful now well, the, i know it's that over 700 years old you know wow well yeah. i know some of our listeners prefer to buy their books from other places besides Amazon. And you and I talked that the book is available some other places. So would you tell the listeners where else, where else they could find it? Well, you can, you can get it from Barnes & Noble, and you can get it from Ex Libris, the publisher. And I will give you, as a matter of fact, if you want to, if you go to Amazon, you will see nine reviews of it. That is one thing. There's um, mostly five-star and couple of four-star reviews, uh, so you get an idea of what the book is about, what people think of it. And there's also a website, a combined website of my three books, uh, where you can get excerpts. Uh, you can read excerpts. Um, wait a minute. I want to tell you what to Google. Hold on. i got to find it. I wrote that down so that you can go to that to get a better idea. And you'll see the covers, and you can you can see a little sample of of each one, like a poem or two for the poetry books. Um, wait a second. The author, all right, it's the author: colon Richard Weiner Book Collections. If you Google that, you will get to the uh, ex libris combined website of my books. What else is there? There's information about you. There's a blog there. There's a lot of information on that website. Yes, yes, there is. It gives you a little, uh, especially by, for Survivor's Odyssey, it gives you a little bio, brief um, bio. And I also want to read you the dedication of this book. Please do. Uh, it's a short dedication. That'll give you an idea what my motivation was for writing it. This book is dedicated to all those in the world who strive for reconciliation among both individuals and nations and who believe that world peace can be achieved by acknowledging our common mortality and the universal need for love, security, and a sense of belonging. I love that. Yeah. It's only. I always like to let an author, especially when an author has written a book that's as personal and as dramatic as your book is, our listeners will become readers. And when they pick up a copy of Survivor's Odyssey and they sit down, this is not a book that they'll read through instantly. They won't plow through it like they might a, a fiction book or a romance or something like that. This is a book that they will read and you will take them right to wherever it is you're describing. When they stop that particular reading session, they'll think about what you've said and they'll think about what's happening, but they'll eventually come to the last page. They'll read the last chapter. They'll read the last page. They'll close the back cover of the book. As readers, Richard, what is the bottom line? What do you really want the reader to take away from this book? Okay, I'll read you the last couple of paragraphs in the book. 
Uh, it was written, I was still in my 80s, I'm now 95 years old, as, as I told you. Um, I have reached a stage of life when I want to pass on what I have learned to younger people, which is 99.9% of the population. <laughs> I have lived through turbulent times and have not only recovered from my early childhood traumas, but have also turned them into a gift that I can give to others. Over my, well, I'll skip that paragraph. Uh, about, well, uh, over the years in my continuing quest to achieve emotional and spiritual balance, I've studied and practiced meditation, yoga, and Tai Chi. Among my most rewarding experiences have been workshops in which I allow myself to let go of preconceived notions about how life should be lived. I'll skip the next one. Um, Blessed with good health, I'm aware that time is not on my side, that I must do all I can to maintain strength, strength, flexibility, and above all, the positive attitude that has served me well over much of my life. Uh, even at this age, I have the good fortune to enjoy a sweet spot of life. There is no telling what the future will bring, but the thought of death no longer frightens me. In the words of a hymn I learned from my English foster mother, I lived with the people back here from London, I lived with an English uh, family, uh, a Wesleyan family, and I played the piano, and there was a hymn which had the phrase, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. And so I take it like, I think of my life on earth as a great vacation, that, like all vacations, eventually comes to an end, but I've enjoyed every moment of it, both the good and the bad. I've lived a wonderful life, and I try to inspire others to do the same, to realize that time is what life is made of, so don't waste it. Every day is precious. I tell that to my younger mentees. I have 20, about 20 mentees at any given time. Don't waste don't waste your life. Don't think I got time to do this later. Make every day count that you can. If someone is interested in the Mankind Project or if they're interested in your um, presentation on the power of forgiveness, where could they get information about that? Where could they contact you if they wanted to schedule you to come and speak, Richard? Oh, my God. <laughs> I... Um, well, the thing is, I don't know how much information to give. Uh, you have a Facebook page. Why don't we give them that information? Yeah, Richard Wiener, there's a Facebook page. And uh, you'll probably see the uh, what you, the cover of my book on my Facebook page. I believe it's there. Uh, well, you've got to go to, there, there are probably other Richard Wieners, but when you know that I'm from Wittenberg, Germany, um, what else did to say about me? Uh, um, Surely they'd be I, able to figure it out. You've written those the two books of poetry and yeah. and Survivor's Odyssey. So surely they'd be able to figure that out. And does uh, the Mankind Project have a website of its own? Yes, the website, yeah, definitely. Because we do trainings on four continents. These are, these are trainings from men. It's about... 
authenticity, um, accountability. It's about being who you really are, not being a macho man or, or a house husband kind of man, but to a man who is, who is accountable for his actions. And every man has a mission statement. And my mission statement is a little bit like what I've already read. Um, it's about um, advocating for, for uh, forgiveness and reconciliation uh, both for both individuals and nations. That's, that's my mission, which does not mean that I can accomplish it in my lifetime. It's, it's, a, it's a, something I aim for, that I work on. I've actually, for example, I've been a guest minister on Unitarian, Church, Unitarian churches four times. So I get to give my message to Unitarians as well as other people. Uh, I've talked to uh, immigrant groups. I've talked to ESOL classes. I've talked to uh, in lots of schools. And it's always trying to tell them my story so that they may discover for themselves how valuable all their experiences are, both the good and the bad, that they can learn from all of them and grow from them and become a lot Find the gold in themselves. This is another one my, of my quests. I, I, I have all these mentees. I try to lead them to their gold because every human being has gold inside, whether they know it or not. Some people sell themselves short, and I try to tell them that you're so much more than you think you are. It's another one of my of the things I do in my life, to try to raise people up because I was put down so much as a child and I don't want that to happen to other people. People that have low self-esteem, I try to work with them to see how much they really have to offer. And here I am, as I told you before, I'm rambling. And you can stop me anytime <laughs> you want. I hate to stop you uh, because you're so, you're a powerful speaker. You have such a powerful message. The book itself is so powerful. Richard, I can't thank you enough for being my guest today on Books on Air. It's, it's been inspirational, it's been informational, and to hear the voice and to hear the experiences from a person who actually went through the absolute hell on earth of what the Holocaust and the Nazi occupation must have been like has been just an unbelievable experience for me. Thank you. It's just been a pleasure. Thank you very much, uh, Suzanne. It's a great pleasure for me also. Now remember, you can find Richard's book, Survivor's Odyssey, colon, From Oppression to Reconciliation, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and the Ex Libris website that Richard gave earlier. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I so hope that you'll join me for my next Books on Air podcast because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so very much for listening.